0: You're listening to Fintech in Focus, where our mission is to celebrate the talent and ideas that contribute to the global fintech industry. My name is Alyssa, and you're listening to this week's segment, Women in Fintech. Today, we're talking with Raquel Adamshek. Raquel has worked at Cambridge Global Payments, which is headquartered in Toronto. There, she's Senior Vice President of Corporate Sales and Dealings. Prior to her work at Cambridge, she worked at Western Union Business Solutions as a senior corporate dealer and at Custom House as a treasury trader. Um, so Raquel, you have found a lot of personal success. Um, I'd like to take a moment to learn more about where you got your start. Can you tell me about your educational experience? Um, from talking with you a little bit about your story before, it sounds like your education wasn't as
1: traditional as some might expect. Yeah, it was not a traditional path at all. Um, I came out of, out of uh, a school and was a little unclear <laughs> on what the path looked like. So I did a college diploma in business. Um, so it's still a, a business focus. But upon completing that program, I started working right away and have uh, been working ever since.
0: I love that though. I think it's so important, you know, to to know that you don't need a ton of education to get where you want to go. It just really takes grit, experience and and practice.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think there's there's so much more that can be learned on the job. Um and straight out of school, I took a position. I I spent 5 years as a conference coordinator, so I think that set me up very well, uh, you know, for a career in fintech. More so, just on the um, the customer service side, you know, it was a very fast paced environment, a lot of multitasking, a lot of problem solving. Uh, so all of that experience really set me up pretty well for, you know, the next twenty plus years <laughs> in fintech.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. So, describe to me your path from higher education to um, ending up in the fintech industry. Uh, fintech is kind of a newer industry, so it's not necessarily something that people look to joining. Um, so, how did you, you know, get into that? Did you hold other careers that that helped you find your place in this industry?
1: I didn't. You know, I was, as I said, a conference coordinator for five years, and. Uh, when I go back 20 years ago, when I entered this industry with Custom House, uh, I actually was applying for uh, a position within the marketing department. Uh, oh, that's wow. sort of where I saw myself coming out of, you know, the, the conference uh, management and um, they they turned me down for that role. And I got a call a couple of days later and they said, we think you'd be a great fit in our treasury department. So that's that's how I started in the industry, and you know I was uh, a couple of months sort of doing some very junior bank reconciliation type work, and and then before I knew it, I was um, managing positions uh, for the entire company as part of the treasury department. So um, you know, and then from there, I worked into a customer facing role as as a a trader, Um, and it's just sort of been on from there ever since.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. <laughs> one door closing another one opening almost.
1: <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And not at all where I would have really seen myself,
0: uh, right. you know,
1: heading, but it's been a very rewarding career for me. Awesome.
0: Um, what skills did you find helpful, um, or that, that you can apply to your career now that you might not, that might've been, um, not necessarily something that you expected.
1: You know, I think all of my experience prior to uh to, to joining Custom House and then Western Union in Cambridge is really the key thing that stands out for me is really just that problem solving and customer service aspect. You know, that has been my focus I think from day 1 and those skills You know, they, they're not really skills you learn in school. Like we were talking about, these are skills you learn on the job and and they're, I believe what has carried me through, you know, and obviously you have to have a little bit of drive there too. Right. (laughs) But, but I I do think that's the key, you know, and then I suppose, like I said, too, the multitasking and sort of being able to perform in a high pressure environment, you know, being able to think quickly and respond are key aspects as well. Yeah. Um, did you have any
0: mentors who supported your vision for yourself?
1: I did. and and probably somewhat uniquely still do. So um, I've sort of had the same mentor um, my whole entire career in Fintech. So um, Mark Fry, who is our who is our president now, uh, we started working together at at Custom House and made the trans. Obviously, we acquired by Western Union, and then we made the transition to Cambridge together as well. So, Mark has been, um, you know, sort of that role model, role model, teacher, advisor, um, throughout my entire career. You know, he's probably, uh, you know, believed in my ability before I did, and I think when I think about somebody who's a mentor, I think about, you know, somebody who's your biggest cheerleader, mm-hmm. but also somebody who is not afraid to give you that constructive criticism when you need, when you need it. Right. You know, so, and he's, he's been that for me. I've been very fortunate that sort of throughout my entire career, he's been somebody that I could look up to and and sort of model, you know, my behavior after, but then there's also just really good, you know, I, I think we've developed a, a strong relationship that we can have sort of those constructive conversations as well. Right. That's amazing.
0: Um, yeah.
1: And and then I'm just really fortunate too, you know, it's I'm I'm a part of an executive team that is um it, there's a lot of very strong female leaders within that executive team, which you don't always see. So that's oh. been a really um really supportive environment for me as well, you know, in in terms of mentors and and people who inspire.
0: Right. Uh, And this is kind of a similar question, but it might have a different answer. Um, Is there anyone who you you looked up to or were inspired by um, for your professional or even personal growth?
1: You know, again, I I would probably go back to to Mark (laughs) just because we've worked so closely together for so many years. And, you know, half the time I didn't even realize that, that it was happening, but, you know, I was, I, I just feel like he's been the one who's sort of guided, you know, my, my career, uh, throughout the whole time. And there's been other people, you know, who have come in and out, but nobody that's had really a lasting impression. And, and then again, you know, this executive team that I'm a part of and, and the fact that there's a lot of very strong female leaders has been very inspiring for me as well.
0: That's amazing. That's really great to hear. It's you know, really our experience and our capabilities are, are really derived from the people that we see and you know the, their qualities that we admire. So that's really yeah. neat.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's um, I've been I've been very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you most proud of in your professional
0: career, or even in your personal life, if it applies? Well, I could probably touch on both of
1: those. I think <laughs> um, on the professional side, I'm probably most proud of my leadership ability. So, you know, like I was saying, I, I don't think it's something that I ever really set out to do. I was I spent the bulk of, well not the bulk, but half of my career um sort of as a very, a very strong and successful individual contributor. Leadership wasn't really on my radar, but it's something that I work very hard at and I'm constantly, you know, looking to continue that growth. I'm, I'm probably particularly proud of, of the team that I've created and the team that, you know, we've built. I, I think, you know, I hope that I've provided a, a supportive and creative environment for them. Um, but I, I think that's probably my the thing I'm most proud about. Um, in the professional side. And on the personal side, I, I think it's the, the family, you know, work-life balance that I've been able to create, you know, and, and set a good example for my daughters as a working mother. So it's not always easy. Um, you know, it's a demanding job, but I think I've managed to create that, that balance. Sometimes the scales tip a bit, but, <laughs> but, uh, but I am very proud of that as well.
0: That's especially impressive in, you know, 2020 and 2021 and everything that those years have had to offer and likely continue offering.
1: Yeah. Well, they've definitely had me home more. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Um, Let's move on to uh, your perspective on the fintech industry. You have a unique worldly perspective as someone who's worked with a B2B global payments business. What evolutions have you seen in the fintech industry, um, or are there any changes that have occurred in the last decade that that have you know had an impact or that you've noticed specifically?
1: Yeah, I think you know, kind of specific to to my world, we're seeing a lot more technology-based financial services outside of the traditional banking industry. So you know, the non-bank. Competitors or non-bank world have become true competitors. Um, we have, I think, capability to be more innovative and to ultimately deliver more value. And I don't think that's something that you were seeing as much, you know, ten to fifteen years ago.
0: No, yeah, it's
1: a almost a different world. It is,
0: yeah. Where do you think the industry is heading? Uh, are there what are some of the more important industry trends that? That we should keep an eye out for?
1: Well, I think for us, we're looking at, um, you know, technologies always at the forefront. And I think digitization of currency risk management, that side of our business, you know, having more technology employed allows us to simplify processes, you know, to automate uh, operational tasks, generate more value for customers. We have the ability to provide um, Um, more visuals of of client exposures and allow them, you know, to employ scenario planning tools to to choose the right strategies as a business. I think, too, there's probably a pretty big element of AI um, that will continue to play a part, Um, you know, learning and responding to customer preferences. We're starting to see a lot more of that in products you know, it gives us the ability to drive efficiencies, like automate some of those back-end processes and ultimately streamline how we provide service. So I think that's going to be a key player going forward as well.
0: Absolutely. Um, now on to my favorite section. I really love to encourage the idea of women supporting women. And it sounds like you share in that goal. Um According to some of your colleagues, you've put a lot of effort into training and encouraging the personal growth of the women that you lead. And there are generally, and, and you have specific experience in sales, is that right? I do, yes. Okay. Um, yeah. There are generally fewer women in, in sales leadership positions. So, can you tell me about your experience in developing your role as a, a leader in this field?
1: Yeah, I would love to. (laughs) This is my favorite topic. Um, I think women are underrepresented in sales in general, not just in sales leadership. So I think there's, there's just such a big misconception that a successful salesperson has to be aggressive and, you know, almost pushy. And I, there's just nothing that could be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. So um, I I spent a lot of time as um, as a dealer, and I never considered myself a salesperson. People would say, "Oh, you're good at sales," and I would say, "I'm not sales. I don't do sales." But I think maybe that was half the battle for me. Is that you know my approach was very collaborative and very solutions based. And I, I had a focus, and this was just because of probably my my personality, but my focus was on developing relationships with customers and understanding their needs. And, you know, through that, I achieved the same results as perhaps a more aggressive, you know, traditionally viewed salesperson, but I did it by influencing customers and delivering value in a trusted relationship. and. I just think that people don't think of sales like that necessarily. When you hear sales, you think it's aggression and it's it's got to be, you know, you've got to constantly be trying to push something on somebody. And that was just never the way that I approached it. Um, and it it was incredibly successful. So I think, you know, then I grew into leadership from there because I saw an opportunity to sort of grow a team in the same way that I grew customer relationships.
0: There's a, a really almost like a gentle power in, you know, the art of influence. It really is. Yeah. yeah and I think it's very underestimated. Yeah. Um, in general and in your experience, is there a difference in men's and women's sales styles? Um, have, how have you, and also, uh, how have you utilized or nurtured those skills in your team?
1: Well, I, I think there is a distinct difference in approach to style, you know, and in, in my opinion, um, most women, um, and I will add, I don't have enough of them on my team, so I can't speak. (laughs) It's a very general sense. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, but I think women do focus on connecting and collaborating and providing solutions to problems, you know, much like how I described my approach. I think that in general, I do see that in women. I think men are perhaps more, um, more focused on driving outcomes and improving processes. And I think there's, there's merits in both and both Mm -hmm. ultimately result in success, but I think it's about blending them and sort of nurturing those differences in your team. And really, I think that success in sales, it comes from being yourself, you know, so it's whatever works for you and really just being yourself. Absolutely. Kind of building those relationships based on truth rather than, you know, trying yeah. to pushier, Right. Yeah. And trying to fit into a mold of what you think a successful salesperson is. Absolutely. And why should more women go into sales?
0: And if they do, which skills should they build uh, if they're interested in it?
1: Well, I think that there is so much opportunity in sales. I, I, you know, and in particular for women, I think our, a sales role provides a lot more flexibility, you know, which is than many other professions. And that's great for working mothers. You know, the fact that, you know, time spent at your desk isn't as important as, as results, and you can deliver those re- results all hours of the day. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be in a traditional, you know, nine to five uh, desk role it's a key focus for me going forward in terms of our recruiting efforts to to you know try to create more diversity and in and, and bring more females into you know B2B sales skill wise you know it's not all technical i mean obviously we're a fintech company so <laughs> there is a technical aspect but i think a lot of that can be taught on the job you know sales is it's it's about problem solving in a collaborative environment that's that's what you're doing mm-hmm. so you need people skills, first and foremost, you need to be able to talk to people. Um, I think anybody can learn the basics of what it is they're selling on the job. But you need to be comfortable talking to people and and you probably need to like it. (laughs) (laughs) And, and you need to have some drive behind that. So, you know, but it doesn't need to be this aggressive mold that everybody thinks it does.
0: I love that advice. I think that's really great advice. And before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you if you have any advice for women who are currently in school or who are out of school and uh, interested in joining the industry. (laughs) You know,
1: I would just say, do it like there. It's such a rewarding career path, you know, and there's so much potential. I, I just really see so much potential. I mean, there always is in sales, you know, it probably helps to be interested <laughs> in what it is that you're selling. Um, that that's probably a, a strong part of it. So if you're not really interested in finance, maybe fintech's not for you. But you know, in terms of sales, it's it's having an interest and then just a you know a desire to talk to people. It doesn't take a lot of you know. You have to be a good problem solver. Absolutely, really. <laughs> it just boils down to
0: problem solving sometimes. It, it
1: does. <laughs> it really <laughs> does. If you can solve people's problems, you are going to be successful.
0: <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of FinTech in Focus. If you'd like to email us any questions or comments, please do so at podcast at com. That's podcast at N-V-O-I-C-E-P-A-Y.com. FinTech in Focus is a bi-monthly show and is available wherever you listen to your podcasts.